Hey everybody, I am Patty G, host of the Patty G Show. We are here in studio with Drew Riley of Slash Creative. We're going to be talking a little bit about creativity, about branding in general, and being able to do something really unique that kind of takes a little different spin on what people are able to see versus what you're able to put out there and make sure that what you're selling as a company, as a brand, really comes across and is really unique in what you're delivering um, before we get into that, a big thanks to our wonderful sponsors that make this show possible. Horizon Financial Group, Falaya Real Estate, um, Government Taco, Mercedes-Benz of Baton Rouge, and Mallard Bay Outdoors. Stay tuned to the very end to hear a little bit more about each and every one of those amazing companies. And without further ado, the master of branding himself, <laughs> Drew Riley, man. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, man. don't know if I'd call myself a master. Maybe a... Uh... Like a master disruptor or something like that, but master, okay. some some of those folks out there that are like really really good at you know the traditional branding would, would potentially disagree. Uh, why is that? I think uh, my roots are in music, and when uh, when you're growing up and your dream is to be in a rock and roll band, you kind of buy into this idea of like piss and vinegar. You know, like I'm just gonna challenge the status quo as much as possible um and i transpose a lot that i learned through that part of my life into what i do in the creative space so it's a little different um you know it's a, a little more risky at times um but higher ceiling you know so not being afraid to do crazy things uh and just really push the boundaries you know not go by the book. There's so many good books out there, and I read all of them, and I take about 10% of it. And I'm like, uh, let me see what I can do with that. 10% is reasonable, I feel like. You think so? Yeah. I mean, because if, if you're, especially if you're reading every book, right? So right. collectively taking 10% from every book, you're not, you know, reading one and all of a sudden diving feet first, right? You're right. not, you know, reading pathways to success. Yeah. Being yeah. like, These, this is the only way. This is how it's going to happen. This is, how, this is how I have to live my life in order to be successful. But if you're reading so many and covering just a, this whole breadth of information and taking a little bit from each mm -hmm. one, I feel you can kind of piecemeal together one of and a very effective strategy across the board to make something successful. Oh, I 100% agree. You know, they say like the most successful people read every day, right? Right. Um, and I wish I could say that I did that, but I don't. But I do think that any genre book, whether it's like how to build a brand or, you know, self-help this or that or the other they're all saying the exact same thing. The author is just delivering it in a different way. And everybody takes in information differently, which is also right. something you have to consider when you're talking about brand and marketing and user experience and things like that is you have to consider the fact that everybody's going to take in your product or your message or your visuals in their own interpretation. And, uh, and that's important to think of. Yeah, it's not gonna be the same receiving end for everybody across the board, right. so I I try to I try to consume a book every two or three weeks. Is kind of my yeah. I think my goal for 2022 was like 25, 26 books, but for me, I consume it easier in the form of like audio books. Yeah, yeah. So like that's what I'll listen to. Everybody at the gym is like jamming out to whatever, and I'm over there listening to like what is marketing <laughs> <laughs> tools yeah. for building a brand, right? Right. Like stuff. St books like that is what I'm listening to in the gym because that's gives me a dedicated time slot that I know I can just listen uninterruptedly yeah. 
and just consume a book. And that's for me is what I found as a good way, at least in my schedule to mm -hmm. at least try to start reading a little bit more and just getting a bigger perspective on certain topics. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. The audiobook thing is, is huge. My wife, I mean, she'll probably listen to two audiobooks a week and, uh, I just, I, I, I can't focus, you know, I'll find myself like pulling up music or pulling something else up or, you know, listening to a podcast about Bigfoot or something like that instead. <laughs> Bigfoot. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, it's all over the place, man. Yeah. I think that for some people, that element of multitasking is not so much a form of trying to get multiple things done at once, but trying to focus on one thing, right? right. So at least for me, like my brain is like always running yeah. you know, 100 miles an hour. It's just going nonstop. And so if I'm trying to really focus on something, I'll get like some classical music or something and I'll put that on in the background and that actually will take up that extra yeah person that's living up there trying to right. think and do everything else it'll consume that side so i'm able to focus on like read through documents or you know look through emails and do all this type of work that i can really focus and not get so distracted with my own thoughts because like the mozart I'll, effect yeah exactly whatever it is i don't know yeah. what it's called but i'll sit there and then if i'm not doing that and i'm just trying to work it so i'll look up and be like wait what am i yeah. in the middle of doing every now and again no they, they they've done like studies where uh they'll do like a, a simple like times table sheet and they'll play Mozart's, I think it's like Fifth Symphony. And the people who are listening to that always do like substantially better than the people that aren't listening to it. I did a seventh grade project and I, I made my class do times tables while listening to Mozart. That's why I know this. Did you, did you prove the theory? Yeah, I think everybody got like candy or something like that because I was right. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I was a hero that day. So we're, we're, we're talking about branding. And so what what exactly do you do? We've got this, this hot chocolate bomb right here. <laughs> Yeah, that, we're, we're um, not a hot chocolate company. No. Right. Uh, you, you a Tumblr uh, yeah. maker as well? Yeah. We are. I, I like to think that I've I've devoted my life to the pursuit of creativity. Okay. Um, and have challenged myself to figure out, you know, how to provide for my family through that, but also how to live a fulfilling life through that. So Slash is a branding and design creative agency. Um. We don't do traditional marketing, though we can, you know, brainstorm and, and think of like all the crazy ideas that we can come up with to do stuff like that. Um, we primarily focus on brand strategy. We design logo, identity suites, things like that. Um, all of your like secondary and tertiary brand imagery, collateral websites, we do a lot of packaging, a lot of retail and stuff like that too. Um, and so stuff like the, the hot chocolate, the box and all that, you'll help design yeah. through something of this sort for, right. for brands. Right. Okay. Right. Um, you know, we'll, we'll determine like the system. We'll, you know, like we don't really have a logo, um, but, you know, we've got like a font system and a color palette that we tend to stick to, which is obviously black and white. And so we try to use a lot of those same elements in the things. And what's interesting is, you, you test yourself creatively. How can I use this system of fonts, this color palette, and do as many different types of things as possible? Because I could do super minimal branding, um, or I could do crazy nuts off the wall stuff like this stuff is, you know? And for it to be successful, it's like a good song. You can hear a country band cover it. You could hear a metal band cover it. You could hear, you know, all different genres of music could cover that song, and it'd be cool. 
that's to me like the sign of a good song. So a good brand system is agile in that way and diverse in that way, but still able to be like hyper-focused, you know? Yeah, you can you can deliver your product, but the way in which you deliver it can be done in a multitude mm-hmm. of ways. It's not, you don't limit yourself to just one element. Right. You know, like you're not limited to just that logo mm-hmm. of how you deliver your creative product or exactly. your products in general. When people see your brand, they don't think of, oh, I only have to, I have to see in that form of that logo exactly. Right. It's no, when I see a piece of creative work or a creative or a product, I'm able to recognize what brand it is based on how it has harnessed itself in bringing to fruition what it is. Exactly. You know, what is it? What does it identify as, right? Right. As the brand, what are you? Who are you? What are you trying to portray to your mm-hmm. consumers, your end users, whomever? That's a that's a huge piece, what you just said, which is the brand strategy, which is uh, the beginning of our process is we start by listening. We try to learn as much about you as possible. We ask questions and sometimes almost like to the point of being annoying, right? But we may ask the same question in different ways just to see what the different types of answers that we'll get from you would be um, to really help shape and mold what that core uh, message is, what your core you know characteristics of your brand should be. Because a lot of people feel like you know, oh, I know, I know what we're supposed to be. But when you ask these questions and, and you you show them the research and you you know document it, it surprises them. You know, um, it's not just as easy as like I got a product, uh, I got a, a brick and mortar or an online shop, and I'm just going to start selling stuff. You have to like everybody who's successful eventually has to go through this process. You can either do it at the very beginning and set yourself up for you know exponential success and growth, without having to sometime down the road like hit the pause button, which is very difficult, you know? Oh, especially if you're growing. Like right. If, if once you gain a certain level of traction mm-hmm. and all of a sudden you have to do a hit a pause and say, wait, we got to go through rebranding. Yeah. it's It almost begs the question as why, what happened in, throughout your company's life cycle that has caused this rebranding? Right. You know, was it not diligent upfront research or diligent upfront brainstorming with your crew, with your team, with whomever, the founders, whomever, Mm -hmm. to determine what we are as a brand and how we identify as our company as a whole. And then if that is the case, then it kind of, you know, begs the question as to the operational structure of things. Right. All right. So you're going through the rebranding. What sparked it now? Mm-hmm. Like, why now? It could be a good problem. And it could be, well, we've gotten to the point where we realized We've gotten the question time and time again. So what exactly do you do? Exactly. Who exactly are you? Right. Oh, I think I've seen you. You look for your company looks familiar. Where might I have seen you? Right. Or when you did it initially, you could have just been so busy with an inflow. You could have been one of those companies that overnight they just all of a sudden boom. had all this traction and boom. They don't have time to develop a brand, right. a strategy. They just have to tend to the customer mm-hmm. because it's just like a, water, a fire hose coming yeah. at them. Yeah, I mean a lot of people when they're starting a business they don't build that into a budget you know um and we work with new businesses businesses that have been around forever you know small medium large whatever um budgets can fluctuate you know it always depends on the footprint in which what you create and the impact in which what you create will will have on the company um but yeah it's 
you know, I don't really fault anybody necessarily for not thinking of that or not prioritizing that when they start the, their business. Um, I just know that at every point in every business's, you know, history uh, or life cycle or whatever you want to call it, they're going to have to go through that process. You know, you can only go so far without enough information about yourself, because if you don't really know how to talk about yourself or what you stand for as you're growing, as you're onboarding new people or as you're trying to communicate to a larger demographic, if, you, if that's not all cohesive, then you're going to be wasting a ton of marketing dollars. Oh, for sure. And you especially know. if there's maybe some mixed messages mm -hmm. along the way where some members on your team think the company is X, but in reality right. it's Y and there's not that, you know, solidified front that people then start questioning well wait when i was talking with your rep the other day they were telling me x well you know this about your company but now i'm talking with you and then you gotta oh hang on we got to let's reestablish ourselves this is right. you know boom 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 it can become a, a hassle almost. yeah yeah now here's here's like the cool part about slash the rock and roll side of me says none of this matters <laughs> right you just do it yeah yeah so there's a probably i have this guy on our team hunter and Hunter's a brand strategist, and he's this brilliant kid, super analytical mind, uh, and he challenges everything that I he challenged. When he first came on board as like an intern from LSU, he challenged every creative decision that I made, and it was an, I was like I was over it. I was like no, dude, just like let me let me make cool stuff. And he's like, but why did you choose that font? Why did you choose this color? Why are you rounding oh. the corners on this? And I would I could I could tell him, you know, some of that is just like designer's intuition. Uh, which is something that you just gain with experience. Uh, but some of it's like, well, this is a masculine brand and it's supposed to be edgy, but still somewhat approachable. So I'm starting with a font that is a very clean font. It doesn't have any serifs or any like ornamental stuff. And I'm just going to go in and I'm going to slightly round every single corner because when it's just slightly rounded, subconsciously, you're more it's more easy to approach that brand versus it being like very, very like edgy, which is appropriate for some brands, right? Right, right, right. When it's like that, it has this different connotation of being edgy, being like more aggressive and things like that. So when I told him that, he was like, why aren't you telling people this? I'm like, I, I don't know. Um, but through him challenging and asking questions, we built this entire new process, this entire new deliverable, um, and at the same time, like I said, there's still that part of me that's like, there are no rules. None of that matters. You so just do it. You just do it. So I think what's great about what we do is we play both sides and we try to meet in the middle of something like good branding. Uh, Sage Haviv is, is one of the most brilliant branding minds right now in the country, I believe. And he says that good branding has to be simple, uh, memorable, and distinguishable. And as long as we're checking those boxes off and when we build the, the brand strategy, we can objectively say that these design decisions are, are, you know, checking these boxes off, then everything else that happens can be designer's intuition or subjective or, hey, let's like swing for the fences and see, let's try some crazy stuff if it's appropriate for the brand, right? It still has to be appropriate, you know. Um, we've got a couple of law firm clients. Law firms aren't going to, you know, take the big risk of doing something super wild so why not um that's a good question so like when, when you look at so I'm a, I'm a cpa by day right mm -hmm. and so when you look at accounting firms mm -hmm. and you look at law firms right we are very traditionally simplistic yeah and not flashy over the top you know our branding is very 
you know, Times 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 New Roman font size twelve. Right. Like that's our go to yeah. for our for our brand, our company, our logo. Like that's what it is. Everything's navy. Right. Yeah. Right. It's it's you know navy, red, mm -hmm. white. You know that like that that's what it is. Our traditional color font, our color schemes, and our basic fonts. Maybe we go crazy and bold one of the lines. Right. Or maybe italicize it. Maybe it's just a little wild. Get wild out yeah. there. But that but that's it. Why is it that these particular i mean I, I get why we have to you know be all professional and all that stuff but from a branding perspective i mean why couldn't an accounting firm or a law firm just go buck wild i think you absolutely branding? could and i think it's it's really as simple as risk um when when a brand or when a when a business like an accounting firm or a law firm the success of, of their business is directly correlated to results. Right. Right. And in doing so, even the way that, that they think analytically, any decision that they make from a, a brand or marketing standpoint has to be backed by results. Right. So if you're going to spend money and you're an accounting firm on marketing, you're going to spend it with the people that can guarantee you a 10% ROI on that, right? Yeah. Versus the guys who are like, I can't guarantee you anything. It could be zero, but it could also be a thousand, yeah. right? It could go from zero to a thousand overnight, yeah. but it's not guaranteed. But it's so that's just not a risk that the results oriented company is typically willing to, to take. I, I've, I have a few clients that have. Right, because they've like it's all about trust. But to and, me, so, and not to cut you off, uh -huh. how, how how did that turn out for them? Or is it still too early in the phase? It's incredible. Really? Yeah. Okay. And I'll talk about that after this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so to me, though, there's a second type of risk, which is playing it safe. Right. Ten percent interest. Right. You you want to gain ten percent growth on your investment, like dump everything into Vanguard 500 and just ride it out. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Over time, your, your money will gain 10%. And you'll, you'll make money. You know what I mean? Um, and then there's the people that are going to invest in Dogecoin or, you know, AMC or something like that, and they might make a billion dollars. Dude, I hit on I hit Doge pretty well. Yeah, me too, man. That's what I'm up? talking about. What's up? <laughs> but, you know, at the same time, like, you, you have to be able to calculate that. The – we have two – we have two – law firm clients that we've that we've done branding and, and stuff for one is comes from an old school background 75 attorneys three different locations across the state like pedigree 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 right when you have that tradition of what that branding looks like like you talked about and you're very results driven you can't expect that brand to be willing to go completely outside of the box right their brand is walking you've got to teach them how to start jogging and eventually hopefully get to where they can start comfortably sprinting and then just running full speed ahead so with that brand we modernized everything we incorporated an orange color in there you know so it's like navy and orange uh and modernized you know website and stuff like that and it works great for those guys you know what i mean the other one is was started just recently by um like a young fresh uh out of law school 
uh, Latinx friend of mine, uh, Joanna Feeney. She has, it's like woman-owned, young, they're hungry, they're challenging, you know, certain things. They are offering services to the Hispanic-speaking clientele within the region and things like that, and really fighting for, for, for the community and in doing so, getting results. So their branding is doesn't look anything like what a stereotypical law firm brand would look like. Though we did use serif fonts. So like a font, like a Times New Roman is a serif font. We used a serif font, but a very like loud and modern one. We use navy, but we also have like a coral and like a, a sage green and like a, a pink like there's a large color palette and the reason is when i show them their branding here's what you know the sage green logo on a pink business card looks like but here's what the uh just like white on navy looks like so as they're hiring they've brought in two male attorneys since then right as they're hiring and, and growing each individual person within that brand can tailor their own personal set of collateral based on their preferences so we created a brand that was agile enough to kind of lean female or lean male and be neutral, um, but be exciting. There's this important thing that we, we talk about that Hunter actually told me, which is in clothed cognition, which is how you feel within your brand when you're wearing it or when you're handing a business card, right? Um, for example, people who wear Harley Davidson t-shirts that will never own a Harley Davidson, right? Yeah. They just, they identify as being part of that tribe, right? And so you want to instill confidence in someone. If they put their logo on a shirt or they're handing something out, you know, like you want them to feel really, really good about doing that um, because everything that they do from there wins, right? You're just setting them up for success in a subconscious way. Like the good design should be a given. If you're hiring a design firm, you should be getting good design, right? It's just the experience that's the differentiator. So for us, our brand, uh, the simplicity is we're small. There's five of us. We're not a full service agency. Um, if you're gonna, you know, if you are interested in working with us, you're talking to every single one of us throughout the entire process. Our branding's black and white, you know what I mean? We don't really have a logo. We have an idea and we just stick within that kind of idea um and the memorable piece is we because of that we can do crazy things like this that right you know you won't remember that kind of thing and then distinguishable is amongst the rest of the agencies baton rouge has a ton of creative agencies they really do and it's kind of nuts to be honest with you how many and they're all good they all do good work there's yeah. more than enough work to go around you know what i mean to me it's it's never about competition you know um but I think the differentiator is you just get a different type of experience when you work with us. And you should. If you go work with any of the other guys, you should get a different experience working with all of them versus like the experience that you get from someone that you would feel like when you read one of those books that I talked about, right? It's the same jargon, the same bloated this, that, and the other. We're saying all the key words in this, you know. Um, and it's like, well, there's a process and there should be processes. The processes can arguably be the death of creativity. Um, there still has to be, but it's just like you could, there are agencies that exist that you wouldn't be able to tell the difference 
of the experience of working with them. And so is that between the, the products delivered or just the whole creative process that they undergo? I think both. Okay. Yeah. So with, within y'all's creative firm, you, you help the brands, you know, create an identity, mm -hmm. but from there, are there any tangible products that y'all produce? Yeah. I know you said you weren't, a, you're on, you're not a full service firm. So right. what are the type of products that y'all produce for the end for your clients? So like one of the things we don't do is like SEO. We don't do like social media management. Um, we don't do like marketing calendars and things like that. And the, 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 the reality is it's cause we're not good at those things. Like we could grow and bring people in that could do that. Or, we could find one of the other 40 agencies in town that that specialize in that and do that really, really well and be like, hey, bring these guys in because it'll take me five years to get to the point where they're at right now. And in five years, they're going to be that much better. Right. Um, I'd rather set up, I, I, you know, if we start working with the, with the brand, I feel extremely vested in their success. Um and I want to, I want them to work with the best. And if I'm not the best, then like, hey, agency partners, come on in. You know, the guys who did the government taco branding, right? Tommy and Eric Echo Tango. Yeah. We work with those guys all the time. We have shared slash channels. You know, we're sending each other dumb memes and stuff like that every day. <laughs> um, and it's great. We have an incredible relationship with those guys. Um, but as far as like, we build the package, what else do we do? I mean... You have your things like business cards, collateral, sales collateral, brochures, folders. I want to make sure that we do all of that. Um, we also are a whole, there it is. This door slam number one. Door slam number one. That's for your uh, end of the year compilation. Uh, or put your psh, little graphic up. Graphic goes here. Okay. <laughs> I don't think Jacob was ready for the graphic. <laughs> <laughs> so so for, for those that are listening or watching, we had a little, a little pre-conversation before we got started with the show. And it was about the door slamming here in the studio and the fly focus, the fly focus studio and how that interrupts the show every now and again. And so we had a conversation about um, not having, you know, a, a drinking game per se about it. But like, hey, we hear five door slams. You get X, Y and Z. Yeah. So that's where the door slam. I've done a drinking is. game with it. I'll just I'll be able to drive home still. That's right. Yeah. Well, we'll do a hot chocolate drinking. Game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in, in the middle of May in, in southern Louisiana. Right. Um, so it's a winter game only. Yeah. No, but I, we try to make sure that we're setting up our clients for success. Uh, we don't just deliver like a, a Dropbox folder of logo files because yeah. like how often there's someone like, like, hey, I need a logo for this thing. I mean, especially like with what you do with the show and things like that, right? You have sponsors and stuff like that. And like, hey, I need a logo. I need a logo. I need a logo. And most people have no idea the difference between a PNG, an AI, a PDF, an EPS. AI got me this week. Yeah. Was it somebody sent me an AI and it would not take it yeah. on like Canva? No, well, it won't. So, There's like one program that will open that. Wait, was it you? It might have been. It was you. Yeah. Because <laughs> it was on your Dropbox. So yeah. I downloaded it. It was the AI. Yeah. So I then had to put it on my phone to then convert it to a PNG. Or no, I put it on my computer, That's saved so it as a PNG, and then re-uploaded it. That's so But anyways, yes, every week I need a logo. I need a headshot. Yeah. And then when new brands come on for sponsorships, I need logos. Mm -hmm. I need informational. I need to sit with you and learn right. about your process so then I right. can communicate that on the show. So it's like there's two sides of tr of of traction there like one for you trying to collect something also trying to collect something that's high enough resolution that you're cool with putting it on your 
stream graphics and stuff like that, right? Yeah, that that it works. You know, like, and, yeah. like if you're looking here, if you're looking at the show, it's probably about right here is like the government taco uh -huh. logo, right? And then on this side of the on this side of the TV is like my logo. Uh -huh. It's like we got to have enough high enough resolution exactly. that it works. Exactly. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've asked somebody for their logo and they send me a PowerPoint. Like that's that's a PowerPoint. Like no, but the logo's in there. All right, look, I started that way. Yeah, and high, everybody in does. High, in high school, I used PowerPoint, and that was yeah. how I designed logos and whatnot. Yeah, you know? everybody does, man. But uh, you know, we we deliver essentially like a a web link with all of your files that are downloadable. It explains like these files are used for this, and this is used for this, and then that strategy document, all of that is in there. So it's kind of like your brand bible, and as you're growing. You're bringing new people in. It's just the most effortless way to onboard somebody and say, "This is everything. This is who we are." Both, like, you know, visually and philosophically, um, and I think that that helps a lot. But you know, as far as like ongoing services, a lot of brands that we work with, whether you know, especially like retail brands, you know, we probably manage five or six retail brands, and they're doing a drop once a month, you know, or Every three months, we do like a seasonal set of designs and stuff like that, um, and we're we're helping kind of cut and sew and ideate concepts, and we're looking into like what is the future of fashion doing over here? Okay, well your demographic will catch on to that in four months, so let's go start thinking about using these colors or this type of garment. You got to be on top of like everything, uh -huh. like so, all, yeah. all creative processes and ideas, right? And trends, you got to be on top of it. Try to be. You know, there's only so much you could do. Yeah. And I'm pretty subjective too. like, there's things that I like. And, and if the client's like, Hey, we should do a, a sweatshirt. That's this color. Like if it's not black, don't do it. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, but obviously you do other stuff. Sure. Black, right? Sure. We just did like a, a pink one. Okay. Yeah. So you get outside the box. Right. Totally. Yeah. See, I'm not for whatever, like for whatever reason it is, I don't like a whole bunch of dark colors mm -hmm. in my wardrobe. Yeah. Like I think the darkest color that I'll go is like LSU purple or something. Really? We're the exact opposite. Yeah. Man. No, like like my my wardrobe is like Easter colors. <laughs> and I wear it year round. Well, but I'm I'm also coming from like the the band scene where like every we all wore all black on stage. I mean, sweat never showed up on black. No, right? no. That's why you wore black. But also like we would use black gaff tape and if if like uh, we would cover all the logos and all of our amps and all the logos on our guitars and stuff like that. And people were like, why do you do that? I'd be like, if they're not going to pay me to play this stuff, then I'm not going to promote their product. And you say that like one time to the right person, and then they're like, all right, man, what do you want? Yeah. You know what I mean? You say it to the right person, like Personas calls you, hey, exactly. look, I see you're at a concert. You taped over our uh -huh. our amp. What, what do you need? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I've got pretty much every guitar I own I didn't pay for. But they're, and their brands prominently look their their logos prominently look at. Yeah, you could see it if you go into my living room now. <laughs> That's about it. <laughs> <laughs> this is true, but at the time, at the time, who knows what type of return they got from that? Plenty. Yeah, millions of dollars. So, on that, you you were within this band industry. I mean, what was what was that like? Um, it was wild. I was twenty two years old. Uh. I dropped out of college when I was 19. Had a had the tops free everything to LSU. I dropped out at 19 uh, to be in a rock and roll band. And by the time I was 22, we were signed to Universal Records. We we're doing uh, over 250 shows a year for a couple years. Um, 
and it was exhausting, but best time of my life, you know? Um, we had albums released in Japan. Uh, I've got pictures of our album. Our, the band's name was Meriwether. So we have a picture of like a end cap in Japan of like the Meriwether album next to the Metallica album, right? Which was pretty rad. Uh, it was, it, was, it was a wild time, you know, when you're, when you're that young, you're making really dumb decisions, especially like with money and career and relationships and stuff like that. Uh, but I learned so much in that process of, you know, developing your own brand, a personal brand or a, a band is a brand. And especially in the world of music where everybody's doing anything and everything to stand out, to get noticed, you know, to do what we did, which is take a bunch of kids from Southern Louisiana and self-fund tour all over the place in a 15 passenger van for years and years and years until someone noticed. And then, you know, in doing so, uh, you get really tight, you get really, you put on a really good live show. Um, and then you get, you get noticed. Um, we, we played CBGBs in New York in front of probably six people, three of which were like friends that flew up there to see us. <laughs> One of those is actually my still ongoing and longest client. Uh, and the, uh, the head of A&R at Universal just was there. Just happened to be the, yeah. the fourth person in the just sixth happened to be person there. Yeah. He saw us on the, on the front page of Pure Volume, which used to be like this music like website for bands to go post their stuff on and, uh, and showed up. But, um, you know, we had, we had a very realistic understanding of what our capabilities were and how far we could take this if we just put the work in. And I hear a lot of young unsigned artists, whether they're musicians or comedians or anybody like that, um, talk about how hard it is and how, and a lot of times that frustration turns into a negative point where they start talking about like, Oh, this city doesn't support this and this city doesn't support that. Um, we were, we were 4 a.m. chalking the quad. And then at 6, when the maintenance crew came out and washed it off, at 6.30, we went and redid it. That's for every single show we played. So y'all would just, like, write your band name or something? We put Merriweather Catery Tonight, right? Okay. And we'd, I'd go to Kinko's on, on Northgate of Campus, and I'd, I'd design and print 5,000 handbill flyers, and I'd go to every apartment complex, and I knew where all the the mailboxes were and I'd slip one into every mailbox. I'd go to every single revelry stand on campus and put it in every single issue that I could, you know, like I did, but it wasn't just me. There was yeah. three other guys doing the exact same thing. But still, that's so much mm -hmm. to do, mm -hmm. but you love it. If like, yeah, I mean, I, if yeah, your, your I band's was, your passion. I was 19 though. Like I had nothing else to do. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, now there's no way. There's, there's no we, way. We both just you know welcome the new challenge. Yeah, exactly. To our lives. Yeah, and you know how hard that is, man. Yeah. There's. I mean, I can't. I can barely leave the house without without feeling like something's going to burn down. You know, kudos to my wife for being an absolute goddess. But uh, I, I mean, you know, she's been like my handler. She's been texting. She's like, hey, I'm going to start a group text because you don't have your stuff together enough to like keep track of anything. <laughs> uh, Look, I get it. I, yesterday I got an email saying, hey, you've got a phone call in 10 minutes. Yeah. I was like, I do? <laughs> See, I get that email 10 minutes after the phone call was supposed to happen. <laughs> I just got really good at Like, I never apologize. Right. I just say thank you for your patience or thank you for waiting. So that, I've read that. I read that somewhere that 
whenever you say, you know, thank you for your patience, not only does it make that person feel appreciated, you're also saying, I acknowledge I took longer than yeah. I should have. I'm not going to say sorry, but right. you, you you know I'm right. I'm apologetic about what the situation Dude, is. I hardly ever say I'm sorry, uh, unless it's probably to my wife. Um, but I'm it's, sorry, you were right. Right, exactly. <laughs> unless it's like in a business scenario, um, unless like you really messed up, you know what I mean? Um, or it's like affecting a personal relationship internally or a relationship with the client. Uh I don't say I'm sorry. I don't say anything negative. I don't say like, you know, this design isn't where we want it to be. That word is that that phrase is out of my vocabulary. It's here's where we are. We're really digging the direction. These are the next steps. You can expect to hear from me then. Right. We never also. Our process involves clients so much. I'm all over the place. I realize this. But yeah, you're good. You're our good. process involves the clients so much that when they finally, when they see the finished product, there's we don't do big like reveal pitches or anything like that. There should never be like an ooh ah moment. It should be cool. This is exactly what I was expecting. What are the next steps? Yeah. Let's keep going. Right. Well, and I think that element of communication in business is key because oftentimes when we find ourselves sending. I'm sorry, my bad, mm -hmm. apologies. It automatically puts you in the downlight, right? right? And so by keeping it in a positive format of saying, thank you for your patience with me getting back to you. I really appreciate yeah. the understanding, you know, or just that phrase, I really appreciate you understanding and the complicate, whatever, whatever it is. I really right. appreciate your understanding. Thank you so much for your patience. That not only makes the receiver end feel, oh, yeah. They're appreciative that, you know, oh, look at like it, it perks them up a little bit, but it also puts you in a way that I'm moving forward with this in a positive direction. I would challenge. I'm, I'm not even yeah. looking at this in a negative light one way or another. We are moving forward positively mm -hmm. regardless as to what happened 24, 36, 48 a week ago, whatever, however long the time frame was that you were supposed to get back and didn't. Right. Just saying thanks so much for your patience and understanding. Here it is or here's where we're at. Yeah. You'd be surprised how different, how much of a change that makes. Like I, I challenge everyone listening to, for a week, every time you start to text or type, I'm sorry, stop yourself and delete it and start with thank you, right? And, and rephrase it however, right? I'm sorry I was late. Thank you for, for your patience, right? Uh, I'm sorry I didn't communicate this. Thank you for bringing this to my attention. You know what I mean? Because the more that you bring any phrase as, as small as it possibly could be that has any kind of negative con connotation, like this isn't where I want it to be, or it's not quite there yet, or you know, I'm not really feeling this, but I'll, whatever. Every time you do that, it's just like this tiny notch that you're knocking out of like the positive meter, you know what I mean? And sometimes you don't realize it, but if you never do that, then that meter is always there. You know, you're going to make mistakes, but like be good at making mistakes. Like we survived because we're really good at failing, right? Owning your mistakes when you need to, but learning from them and saying, hey, we're behind on this deliverable. Um, this is when you'll expect to see it. That's, that's all you have to say. You know what I mean? You don't have to give my dog died and then, and then my grandmother fell into the dog hole well, and because within funeral. that you're, you're searching for something yeah right? you're, you're searching for this feeling of forgiveness 
without you even asking right. for from the person. Right. You're searching for this this feeling of, of empathy towards a situation when in re, in reality, while they may feel that, you know, they may feel, oh, I understand. You know, right. Don't worry about it. Again, you're continuing to put a negative connotation on the situation. When if you can spin it and say, you know, thanks so much for your patience. Here's where we're at. More to follow. Right. Or we're, we're, we're coming down, we're coming up with additional revisions. We'll send once we're here. Right. You know, instead of just saying, hey, look, we didn't get to it. You know, sorry, this week was busy. It just didn't happen. Yeah. Say, so, look, thank you for your patience. We've got a lot on our plate. We're moving forward with your design. Here's where we are as of today. More updates to come. Exactly. They say, oh, man, this is great. But you also know? think about how much more powerful when you say I'm sorry becomes. Yeah. Right. When Then they know, oh, he they yeah. really messed up. Because if that's what you lead, like every email with, oh, dude, I'm late to 50% of my Zoom calls, my meetings, my phone calls. You know, I've got two businesses, a, a newborn child, and extreme ADHD, and I'm still trying to be a rock and roll star. You know what I mean? So if every time that I was five minutes late for a call, I said, I'm sorry, eventually, it's not going to mean anything. Anymore. It, it's just a habit. Yeah. And then I become that guy, right? Versus I own it. Like, dudes, uh, my son, apparently growing teeth is the most difficult thing that any human being ever goes through. Because not only is it keeping him up, but it's keeping me up and it's keeping my wife up. And we're angry and we're tired and we're exhausted. And I'm just trying to take like a shower and I saw a window where I could take like a five minute shower. And it was at the very beginning of when this call was supposed to start. So I appreciate you guys letting me like just cleanse the earth of my, my body and the odor that was coming <laughs> off of me. Um, what did I miss? Blah, 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 blah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Catch, so catch, please catch up to speed yeah, and we'll keep moving forward. Yeah, own it, you know? Um, but that's not to say that you're inconsiderate of people's time. No, of course not. You know, and that's, that's the other side of this. When, you do become the late guy. Yeah, it, it gets almost to the point where some people are looking at you, mm -hmm. saying, "Oh my gosh, Drew's just a late man." Right. He like don't ever expect him to be on time. And some people, with a negative energy always built up, that I'm sorry, my bad. To you know, thanks, apologies. Right. It, it starts to get this negative mindset where they're saying, oh, "Drew, I, yeah, don't call him. He's yeah. always late. You yeah. know, he he just he's the guy who's late. Nobody really knows why. Right. You know. But if you say thanks for your understanding." We got a situation going on at the house. It's handled. Yeah. I'm here, focused. Let's move forward. I mean, any any time I can, I try to be early. You know, I, I read uh, this this bit about how uh, Barack Obama was always, no matter what, was like 15 minutes early for everything. Someone was like, "Why?" He's like, "Because if you're always early, you're never late." And I took that and I was like, "Okay, how can I, how can I use that?" You know what I mean? And it's like even today, I got here what like thirty minutes early. You did, you, and it was because I knew that if I if I didn't get here thirty minutes early, I was going to be here five minutes late. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I just use it, man. I own I own the chaos that is, you know, my life. But I love my life, uh, and and I try my best to, like, work and build these processes and these flows around that that work for me. Yeah, and it's in turn allows you to provide the best service possible to your clients, right. future clients, and everyone you interact with. Right. It's that's the process that has to happen in order to make what you produce what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Totally.
dude, that's, I, and I think that level of self-awareness within people is something, you know, from an entrepreneurial standpoint, understanding who you are as a person, how you work best. I love to get up early in the morning and if you get an email or a text from me at 4.30, just know that's just what yeah. works within my schedule. Right. It, it started when we had our newborn, and he was up at 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock, mm -hmm. and I went to bed one day and woke, and I, I, I fed him in the morning because that's my wife and I. We, we trade off, and so she does the, the late-night feeding, and then if he wakes up in the morning, I can function better mm -hmm. in the morning than she can, and so I would give him a bottle in the morning. And within that, I found that I had these two hours of uninterrupted productivity. It's awesome, right? That was great. And initially I took advantage of it, right? And after a while I said, you know what? I'm just gonna try, like one morning I woke up, I was like, oh, I'm just so tired. Yeah. And I went back to sleep for the 30, 45 minutes mm -hmm. or an hour that I had extra. And then once I woke up from that, I was groggy and the yep. whole day dragged. Yep. And I was like, this is terrible. Yep. You know, that, that hour and a half or that hour of sleep that I got extra did not improve my day. It did mm -hmm. not make me feel better, chippier, whatever it, whatever it was. So then I determined I just need to find something to fill my time with. And it quickly filled up. It does yeah. not take long to find something to fill those two hours right. of uninterrupted productivity with. I found, wow, I'm able to get so much more done. I'm able to focus, you know, whether it be on replying to emails that came in late night from the office or doing research and furthering the show. And I found that I started getting somebody sent me a reply back because I replied to him like 4.15 or something. And they said, Patrick, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. It's like, I'm getting stuff done. Yeah. That's what I'm doing. You don't have to reply. I'm not expecting an immediate response. Yeah. I'm aware that 85% of the world, 90% of the world is asleep at this yeah. point in time. I am not sending you something or a, a form of communication and expecting them to get an immediate reply. I don't ever expect that. You know, I'm going to send it to you. You get to it whenever you can. That's whenever I can get to it. Right. So if you don't get an email from me until the next morning, just know that's whenever I'm able to do something like that. That's my time to be productive without any interruptions because it's really no interruptions. Yeah. At that point in the morning, not many people are awake. Right. And then when I do get an email from somebody that early, I'll do a quick reply back. Yeah. Like, hey, yeah. I'm up with you. What's yeah. up? Now it's, a, now it's a contest. Now right? let's go, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think uh, finding those windows, you know, Hunter once recently told me that there's like a saying, if you if you give me four hours, I think George Washington means, I don't know, I might be making that up. It's something like, if you give me four hours to do something, I'll do it in four hours. If you give me one hour to do something, I'll do it in one hour. That's so true. You know? you People will complete things within reason. Mm -hmm. People will complete tasks in the allotted time given. Right. You know? And that's from a founder or a business owner standpoint, when you are about to delegate or assign a task looking at that task and determining what a reasonable amount of time is. And depending on what kind of leader you are within your organization, do you want to challenge your staff and say, it's going to take four hours mm -hmm. at a moderate pace. I'm going to challenge them to get it, to get it done in three, 40, three hours and 45 minutes right. or three and a half hours and see if they shock me. Yeah. Knowing that if they come in at four, four and a half, it's going to be perfectly fine, but I want to challenge them, you know, Doing that instead of saying, hey, get this to me by the end of the day, you'll find you're going to get it within that allotted time, again, within reason. Right. Right. You can't come in and say, hey, build me a brick wall in two minutes. Like, yeah. You know? Yeah. And I can put, I can put, together, I can put together two bricks. And yeah. one, like, there's a wall, but don't expect, you know, something monstrous to right. come well, out of it. It's the good, fast, cheap pick two. 
right? Mm-hmm. Um, we've we've had requests before, like monumental requests, you know, uh, and we need it in three weeks. I'm like, this is going to be really expensive then, because I got to put everything on hold, you know, and find that find figure this out. But it's interesting though what you just said, like the what kind of leader are you, right? And with Slash, Slash was me and two other business partners, and one of them left very early. Um, for health reasons in the very beginning of our of our business and our business model was initially a venture studio where uh, we realized that there were all of these people with killer ideas in Baton Rouge that just had no idea how to take that idea and, and make it and we had you know we have an operations guy we had uh, like an Ivy League business dude, and then we had me, the creative. It's like with the three of us, we can figure out how to take this idea, do enough research, use our leverage our networks and our skill set, and turn that into something that is tangible. And in turn, like we were going to be, it was basically like an equity based compensation model. Um, and the Ivy League business guy is the guy who left, and so then we were left with a creative and an operations dude. So then we became a creative agency, like out of necessity. It was sink or swim at that point, you know, like we're really good at putting out fires and we're really good at failing. That's, you know, most people probably would have just thrown it in the towel. Um, and for us, we were like, you know, F it. Let's see what we can do. You know, like it's us against the world at this point. Um, but it was still just the two of us. And we grew at a pace like we talked about before, right, where there's times where a brand uh, has to hit the pause b- button to take a look at themselves internally and do some work on their brand uh, because they're growing it at a fast rate. And that's kind of what happened to us. Um, you know, we were, we were getting projects in, you know, more and more and more. And I was doing all of the work, all of the design, you know, all of the sales, uh, all of the pitches. I, hadn't, I had no processes, you know what I mean? Just really winging it. And so we started bringing people on, you know, uh, we kind of developed a, a decent name for ourselves through just like social media. We had a couple kids that would come in from like, uh, UL or South Southeastern LSU that were like, Hey, we were looking at all the other, you know, agencies and you guys are doing like really crazy stuff. That seems cool. I'm like, it is, but like, I can't, I can't give you a 401k and benefits. <laughs> You know what I mean? Those other guys can give you those yeah. things. I cannot do that right now. And there were a couple that were like, we don't care. And, you know, two of them are still with us to this day. That's uh, awesome. But I quickly had to become a leader. And in the band, I was the lead singer. I wrote all of the music. You know, um, everybody would, you know, write, you know, their parts and stuff like that. But, like, the structure, the arrangements, the, the lyrics, you know, the concepts, et cetera. Um, and so I kind of... That's just how I started to lead was how I led back then. Uh, but back then I was young and I was really stupid and I wasn't a good leader. And so I had to fail over and over and over at the very beginning of, of Slash as, as a brand and, and learn from those because I could read books all day long. But those books are generally like, how do you start a company and become Apple? You yeah. know, there's no real book out there that's like, how do you start and be five people? And be cool with that. You know what I mean? And, and lead four people. So I see an opening in the market there. 
I'm telling well, you. From a book standpoint. You know a writer? We'll, we'll find a shadow we'll writer, find, man. We'll find somebody. Look, just, just start talking in the studio. Yeah. Get a shadow writer to write it all down. Or Easy. change the game and don't even do written. Yeah. Just do straight audio. Book. Yeah. That would be the more rock and roll thing to do. Like like come like come in here or come into a studio wherever mm-hmm. and just straight up audio record the book. Have somebody edit it like you would a podcast that's 14 yeah. hours long. See, my creative brain goes to, no, let's make a book, but every word of the book is just the link to the audio book. And let's fill like 280 pages. Of with, like nothing but with, words with that are www.audiobook.com. www.audiobook.com. Oh, just like in repetition? In repetition. Ooh. The whole thing. Ooh. But so you couldn't put that on a tangible book. But what if you Why made not? it all QR codes that could be scanned could. or collectively the words are pixels mm-hmm. that on a page mm-hmm. form the QR yeah. code that can be scanned yeah. and picked up by your phone? There was a band that did that once. Like they, uh, this band Nine Inch Nails, they hadn't put out a record in like seven years or something like that. And there was like rumor that they were about to put something out. And every time someone used like the hashtag NIN, Mm-hmm. There was this website, this encrypted website, and it was something like 6,000 pixels by 4,000 pixels. And every time someone used that hashtag, one pixel would go from black to whatever it was. So over time, it like revealed the name what of the album, was. the release date, and things like that. But see, these what-if conversations is how Slash started. Dude. Right? So uh, my my our third partner that started with us, this guy Dustin Mahan, actually helped uh, – uh, prep guys get started that's when when i sent that picture Ah, okay uh when we when we first met we were talking about this idea of of starting our own agency he was like you know what's the last idea that you had that you you didn't do and i was telling him this idea it was like i want to make guitars like but sculptures out of like random stuff but then like make them sound like what those random stuff would make somebody think of and put them in like a chamber. So it's like this whole like visual audio, you know, like overload of your system of, of all of your senses in like this one, like small chamber. And then you come out of it and you go to the next one and you come out. Of, and like, I want to see if I can like manipulate people's emotions through like a grotesque, hideous sculpture that they themselves could like strum the strings and it plays the worst sound ever. Right. And they step out of that box and they go to the next one. And the next one is like clouds. It's a guitar made out of like fluffy clouds and they strum the strings and it sounds like a harp or something like that. You know what I mean? And it's interactive and all this stuff and crazy ideas. And he's like, well, what's stopping you? I was like, time and money. It's like, (laughs) those are the two most abundant resources on earth. It's ideas that are the least abundant. So I'll be the guy that helps you find the money. Lance, our other partner, will be the guy that facilitates the operations so that you can have the time. It's like, cool, let's do it. So is it happening? It is now. I, like I said, when, when Dustin had to leave, we had to pivot our business model a lot um, and, and basically be white label creative services. Um, so I think that through that challenge and other challenges that we faced along the way, plenty of them, you know, we have become the brand that we are today um and i think that our brand and and building the brand that we want to build is more important than anything else that we do because it sets the precedent 
right? There's like the age old saying like the cobbler's kids never have new shoes, right? For the first three years of Slash, our website was a white background and it said, we create because we give a damn in black times New Roman. And that was it. There was no portfolio. Wow. There was nothing. There wasn't even like a get in touch with us button. And we were booked constantly. Dude, that, you know what I mean? That's powerful. Right. So <clears throat> we, we could probably sit here for another two or three hours and Easily. chat. Uh, but we do have to start to kind of wrap up yeah, the show. Yeah. So within that, we do uh, partially lie to you. Um, we do have a set list of four questions we okay. ask at the end of the show. So hot the, seat. Yeah, the it's like the hot, the hot, hot questions. So let's do it. First one being, what is something you did as a kid you wished you could still do today? Uh, run. <laughs> That'd be rad. <laughs> <laughs> that works. No, I mean, I, honestly. Um, as a kid, I, I drew comic books. I drew basketball cards. Uh, I, I designed my soccer team's uniforms. I'm doing all that. That's incredible. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're still doing that. Like, when I tell you, like, I've spent my entire life in the devotion of creativity, like, that's what I'm doing. Okay. Well, but I also really, it's hard for me to run. I get that. Uh, I've had, yeah. I, I, I tore my plantar fascia in January trying to play soccer with our kids. I don't even know what that is, but it sounds bad. It's the worst. I imagine so. Yeah. Okay. Worst. So run. All right, we'll take that. Just have energy <laughs> in general would be nice. Um, so what are three lessons you've learned along the way? Oh, man, that's huge. Um, three lessons. Uh, one, you do not have the power to do everything yourself. Uh there is a greater power that you have to lean on. And that greater power can be really. Door number two. Graphic. Well, laugh if you had one made. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'll, I'll, make, I'll make one for you. I should have just texted Justin and be like, hey, man, email a graphic to this guy. Uh, Justin's our, our lead designer. Incredible. Justin, another story, came to us as an intern from Southeastern with the portfolio there was nothing but ballpoint pen sketches of the craziest, weirdest stuff you've ever seen. Like giant noses with like legs coming out with basketball shoes. Right. Dude. And now uh, he's one of the most incredible designers I've ever worked with, ever seen. Um, you can't do everything yourself. There's a greater power that you have to lean on. And that power can be a God of your understanding. It can be your team. It can be the wisdom of the universe that is floating around in the ether and is completely, you know, non-tangible, but comes in and out as it, as it wishes. And you just have to be available to accept it or not. Uh, but you can't, you can't do everything yourself. Number two is control what you can control. Let go of what you can't. Right. Um, that's, that was a huge thing for me to overcome as I learned how to become a better leader, but just a better person, you know? Um, and I think the last one is like, just stay true uh, to, to yourself, to your gut. You know, there's so many times in, in my career, whether it's my music career or this career where someone has suggested that I do something or asked that I do something that I just didn't really believe in. And I did it anyways. 
uh, because I'm a people pleaser. Um, and that never ends up going well. It may make them happy, but you're miserable or, you know, the results not great. And you're like, well, I didn't really want to do this in the first place, you know? Um, so stick to your gut, you know, it like there, there is some sort of like greater power that's out there. There's some sort of magic, you know, like uh, I, I always used to think that, that music was like the closest thing to magic that exists. Because if you think about it, you've got a group of people that get together and they make sounds through various ways and techniques and technologies and those sound waves then mix with each other to create some new sound. And that new sound can then enter a human and make them feel something. And at the same time, simultaneously enter another human and make them feel something completely different. But other people can have extremely visceral, heavy emotional reactions to it. And some people just don't even feel it. Like to me, that's insane yeah. that that can happen. Um, and I think that if I apply that to creativity in general, um, whether it's in design, fashion, architecture, landscape, whatever, anything that you do, everything that everybody in this room is doing is creating. You're creating something. You're creating a community. You're creating a, a, a podcast. You know what I mean? Um, everything takes that little bit of magic, and there's going to be times where you're going to like second-guess yourself or people are going to ask you to do something that goes against your gut. Just don't do it. Yeah. Like, life's too short. No one client is ever going to make or break your, your brand. No one failure is ever going to end everything. You know, just stick to your gut. Uh, absolutely, man. So what is something you love about Baton Rouge? Something I love about Baton Rouge. The people, my people. Uh, I've had a really, really killer close group of friends and as we've gotten older and people have gone and you know you kind of drift apart you know people are have careers they're building families they move away for whatever but anytime that we're in the same room together it's like not a day's passed and that's just not something you get everywhere in the country people here man in, in louisiana in general um it's just something special and i think that there is like a little chip on our shoulder you know, like I used that in my music career. It was like, I'm going to show you that I don't have to move to Los Angeles to make it. I'm just going to do it. You know, I'm going to buy a van and I'm going to, I'll drive there, but I'm not going to live there. Um, but yeah, I think that chip on the shoulder and, and good people, community. Um, and when you combine those things, like I've, I've traveled all over the world and play music with some of the best you know, most award-winning bands that existed in the genre that we played. And there are people that play down the street from here every Tuesday night that have more talent than every single one of those people. And they're just not going to ever be heard. Yeah. But they're okay. They're good. That's, that makes them happy. You know what I mean? Um, There's so much talent here. It's insane. And it just, it makes me happy and excites me, you know, just to surround myself with that kind of talent. And it's we inspiring. Gotta, and we got to do what we can to get it out there. Got to, man. So for the final question, man, what can I do to help you? Oh, man. Continue to tell people stories like this. That's how we That's how we get all that stuff out there. Talk to everybody. And you're doing a great job. You know, one of my favorite things about your show is when I look through uh, the list of guests that you've had, you know, 
it's everything. And I asked you before the show, like, you know, are we going to talk about Baton Rouge a whole lot? And you're like, no, I mean, Baton Rouge is the, the glue. It's, it's the, the, the constant variable. Um, but it's, it's so much more than that. And I mean, just keep doing what you're doing. Cause this is rad. Well, thanks. I, dude, I love it. We're, we're coming up on three years of this That's show. That's amazing. And it's been a blast, dude. We've, we've had 120 plus people we've sat down with and heard their stories. You know, I think your episode like 118 or 117, nice. something like that. And so just to hear that continuously, like you said, it's, it's always a different story mm-hmm. with the person that sits across from me. It's never the same story, at least not told in the same way. And so having those unique individual stories shared is like the least that I can do at least to do what we can to grow this community. Right. You know, and getting people's words, people's businesses, people's ideas out there. So long as it impacts one person, Mm -hmm. I'm cool with it. That's it, it, man. Like, that's it. That's it. And it doesn't even have to be a major impact, you know? Just have one person rethink a situation. If one person person... stops saying sorry. Yes. Then we won. That's right. We won. Jacob, be our one person. All right, man. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. I appreciate your time. Appreciate you, brother. I appreciate you, uh, us working through this initially. Whenever we started the conversation, neither of us um, had plus one children than we have now. Yeah. So I'm glad we stuck it together and made it happen. Thank you for your patience. Look at that. Boom. Look at that, y'all. That's what you need to learn from the show. Um, That's it, guys. I'm Patty G, host of the Patty G Show, here with. Drew Riley of Slash, if y'all need any creative work or you maybe you want to rethink your brand, give them a check out and also give a big thanks to our wonderful sponsors with a message right now. Sell your home for a $399 flat fee with Falaya. No, seriously. Falaya will list your home on the MLS and help you get all the way to the closing table for as little as a $399 flat fee. Our online platform is insanely easy to use and will save you thousands. If you're thinking about selling your home in 2022 and want to keep more of your hard-earned equity in your pocket, you need to check out Falaya. Falaya, real estate reimagined. Thank you all so very much for listening to this episode of the Patty G Show brought to you by Government Taco. They're located on the corner of Government Street and Jefferson Highway. Jay is always slinging up a new taco of the month. So if you're a frequenter to Government Taco, let us know in the comments what you thought about this month's taco of the month. If you're not a frequenter, Maybe trying out this month's taco might just convert you. Big thanks over to them at Government Taco for making the Patty G Show possible. Thank you so very much to Mallard Bay Outdoors, the Airbnb for the outdoor sportsmen. If you're looking to book a hunt or a fishing trip, this is the platform to use. They are a past guest of the Patty G Show. We got to learn all about what they're doing from the ground up. They are really revolutionizing the booking process for hunts and fish all across the country for your next hunting or fishing experience or maybe your corporate retreat you're looking for something to do for your employees book a hunt or a fishing trip with mallard bay outdoors and they will take care of you every step of the way from organizing it with the guides and the captains to making sure you can take care of them at the end of the trip mallard bay outdoors a proud sponsor of the patty g show at horizon financial group we enjoy helping others achieve greater confidence clarity and direction in their lives we realize everyone's path to financial success is unique sometimes you just need a friendly guide along the way 
Whether it's customized financial planning, individual wealth management, or servicing your company's retirement plan, we've got the team with the experience to help you reach your goals. Horizon Financial Group, helping you provide, protect, and prosper for those counting on you. Visit us at horizonfg.com. Cetera Advisors, LLC. Member FINRA SIPC. Cetera is a separate entity. Thank you to Mercedes-Benz of Baton Rouge for making this show possible. Nick Pentis is a past guest. We love having him on. Listening to him talk about the culture they have over at Mercedes-Benz of Baton Rouge is really an incredible thing to hear. How they treat not only their employees, but every customer that walks through the door. You are more than just a number to them. They're going to give you that white glove, concierge service every step of the way. They're going to make you feel like family and take what can be a stressful time in people's life. Shopping for a car, they're going to make it so enjoyable and so pleasurable. You're going to want to go back there time and time again for every new vehicle. Thank you so very much for Mercedes-Benz of making this show possible. Simple plan, don't want a complication.